0: what in the world is she doing now? Why are we singing Christmas songs in July? And it's not because we just decided to play WGOD and play the biggest Christmas hits. That is not what we're doing. Instead, today, we're looking at a quintessential doctrine, one that we in the church often take for granted, and that is that Jesus Christ is divine. And most of us sitting here go, yeah, amen, good. That's the better one than the snarky, yeah. Instead, we want to remember that in a powerfully transformative way. Did you notice how much you swelled as we sang the Christmas songs? A little timid on Hark the Herald. If we played it again, you'd be louder. But again, it's the fact that we are loosing within the world through the power of song, the truth of our gospel, that Jesus Christ is Lord, our God and our King. And it's vital for us To tell this story and the scripture that we read is one of the few the top three as matter of fact the nativity story out of the gospel account of Matthew this one the Annunciation as it is known in Christendom where Gabriel appears to Mary in the gospel according to Luke and the beginning of the gospel account of John that says in the beginning there was the word the word was with God and the word was God you know your Bibles very good And so it is that we have gathered here this day not only to continue our weekly celebration of our Lord and Savior, but to be undergirded by the fact that our belief in Jesus Christ is necessary, it is vital, and it is so needed in this world. Why is it needed? Because there are so many people who are trying to tell people other things about Jesus There are all these voices now in the world that are trying to say that Jesus was a good teacher, great philosopher, maybe even a prophet, but he's not God. And the fact is that they're undergirding that argument with many examples of great teachers and philosophers. Gandhi, a faithful Hindu, wonderful teacher, teaching people about compassion, helping to change the caste system in India. Good teacher. Great philosophers. People who put forth the idea of ending suffering, endless charity, and kindness to those around us. The interconnectedness of people to one another. People like Shakyamuni, whom you may know better as the Buddha. Great philosopher. Jesus was more than all of that. Jesus was God incarnate, who came here and suffered and died upon the cross for all humankind. That should we so desire salvation and the grace to save us from our sins, that it would be ours. For he had paid the price that only his pristine and pure blood could offer us. And while there might be good people who would be willing to have given themselves up on the cross, no offering would have been the Paschal Lamb. None except God in human form. And so the divinity of Jesus Christ as portrayed in our scripture is important. That when Gabriel appeared to Mary and he said to her, you shall bear a son who will be holy. And he goes forward to tell all these wonderful things that Jesus will do. And Mary goes, wait, can you back up for a minute? What was that part? How is this happening? I am a virgin. And he says that the Holy Spirit will come. And the power of God most high will overshadow you. And by this miracle, our Lord was conceived and born. God in human form. It is unparalleled. And so, as Jesus has come to us, we who follow him, who profess belief in him, need to be reminded day in and day out, not just at Advent and Christmas, how necessary it is to proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. Unless we need reminder, I did a little research. I did a little research because Jesus Christ had a ministry of love, amen, amen. And yet we live in a world where it feels like hate is as thick as the humid air in Richmond. Because I looked up in our Bible, and the word hate appears in the Bible 202 times. But the word love appears 830. The message is clear. That love overpowers, overshadows hatred. And yet... The more I did my research this past week, the more I discovered that hate is thriving. Hate is growing. According to the Southern Poverty Law Center, there are currently 917 hate groups active in our nation today. 917 groups of people. And a hate group is defined by one group who advocates violence and sometimes openly perpetuates it on another group. So these aren't people who have just decided they don't like you. These are people who are advocating that we hurt, even destroy other people. And I'm sure that if I had access to the Federal Bureau of Investigations files, I would find that the number of individuals... That they are watching for their spreading of hatred is exponentially higher than that 917. And again, the numbers were shocking. 39 of those hate groups are here in our state, which is nothing compared to the 47 in New York or the 63 in Florida. And the state with the highest number of hate groups of all, at a whopping 79, California. Hate is flourishing in our country. And hate flourishes when people are afraid, when they feel alone, when they feel vulnerable, when they have suffered and they are weak from that suffering. And people swoop in to take advantage of that. We were created to follow. God created humankind in the hope that we would follow God. If we don't follow God, we will find someone else to follow. And sometimes those leaders are perverse. Sometimes they are seeking to perpetuate hate and violence. And sometimes, God help us, we decide to follow us, our own wants. And when we do, our sin will be manifest, and it will cause suffering and evil in the world. We will follow someone. The question is, who are we going to follow? And so I started reading all of this hate literature this week. Why would anybody do that? Because I needed to know just how bad it was. And I'll tell you, it started making me angry. You might be able to tell. I was getting very angry after having read the Constitution of the Ku Klux Klan, the tenets of the neo-Confederates. I went back and dug out my copy of Mein Kampf, which I haven't read since my Holocaust studies. But I had to because it isn't relegated to the history and to the Holocaust. Instead, it has become the neo-manifesto of the neo-Nazis and the skinhead movement. I read the manifesto on race from fascist Italy. A group of people who, by and large, do not consider themselves to be white. It led me to reading the beliefs of the Nation of Islam, which, by the way, is not Muslim. It is not. They have hijacked that name. They claim that its founder, in July of 1930, W. Fard Muhammad, was the incarnation of God. They actually claimed that he is the Messiah of Christianity. They have co-opted our Christ. And there they continue to preach hatred and separatism. while we are a people called to serve the Lord of love. And just when I thought I had had enough, my journey through hatred, which, trust me, by now is already making me queasy, led me to Christian hate groups. And there I found myself on the website of the Westboro Baptist Church. Now, if you know anything about our church, you might be familiar with our website, crozetunitedmethodist.org. Pretty simple. The website for Westboro Baptist Church, where I found their self-proclaimed manifesto, is godhatesfags.com. That is their proclamation before the website loads. They speak for our God as a God of hatred. And on their website, and their manifesto, they proclaim to be believers in the five points of Calvinism. Under the acronym of TULIP, these are the tenets of the Puritans. Total depravity. The idea that all humankind was created as depraved, sinful, evil beings. But that there is unconditional election for the chosen elite few. They are predestinationalists. They believe that some, even before their birth, were designated by God to be on the highway to heaven and the rest of us are on a train straight to hell. They believe in limited atonement, that only some will be saved by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, but not the some who, who accept Jesus Christ. Instead, it's the some that God designated that salvation for that you have no choice in whether or not the cross was for you. Then they believe in irresistible grace, that instead of choosing, repenting, and accepting God's grace for yourself, that God is shoving that grace down the throats of the chosen few. Whether you like it or not, it's yours. Eat it. And if that weren't enough, they believe in the perseverance of the saints, which, while that sounds lovely, truly means that once you are saved you are always saved even if you went out and murdered someone you're fine this is what they are teaching under the auspices of Baptist Church and I don't know when the last time you looked but Westboro Baptist Church has been in the nationwide media a lot more than Crozet United Methodist Church The world is listening to them. They are watching what they are doing. And let me tell you what they say about me on their website. Quote, anyone preaching otherwise than their five points of Calvinism is a hell-bound false prophet, a messenger of Satan. Pleased to meet you. Wait till I tell you what they say about you. We are from a branch of theology in the Christian church. The one side was the predestinationalists, the ones who believe that there is an elect, a group who will be saved regardless of what they do, and you have no control over whether you are in or out. We are from the other side, the much larger side in Christendom. It's called Arminianism, not Armenian. That's a different thing. Arminian theology. To put it frankly and more legibly, it is free will. We believe that God gave us the greatest gift, and that is free will. That we can choose to follow God. We can choose to embrace grace. We can choose that we will not be depraved sinners. We can embrace grace and be reborn by the power of the Holy Spirit. Liberated from our sin and death. That is what it means to be Arminians. And here is what they say to you. To every lover of Arminian lies, believing and preaching that God loves every individual of mankind, we say, you are going to hell. Period. End of discussion. God's decree sending you to hell is irreversible, hypocrites. That's what they say to you and to any other Christian that believes that you have the power to take the grace of the cross for yourself. And if I wasn't angry enough, here was the last thing that they said. The greatest lie ever told. God loves everyone. Now, my poor husband came back from a week of Impact Richmond (laughs) and got to listen to me rant about this last night. Because it is obscene. Is it not? God hates everyone? Wait, I'm, I, I realize I'm a messenger of Satan. But did I not read in the gospel account of John, God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Not God sent his only son so some people of the world would be loved. I don't remember reading that translation. I don't remember that. I remember God saying, I love the world, and I will not let them be depraved. I will not leave them alone. I will not choose the few. God had the few. They were known as the nation of Israel. God said, it's not enough. I love all of them. I want all of them to have this gift. And grace is a gift. It is not a demand. I demand that my child eat his vegetables. I don't demand that he eat dessert. Instead, the good stuff is offered over and over again. We offer grace to all people because we, of all people, have received grace. Who are we? We are sinners. We are people who are as frail and vulnerable as those who preach hate. As these people... And sometimes it's hard to remember that these are people. But Jesus didn't say, hate your enemies. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all that you are. And the second greatest commandment is, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And you have heard it said, said Jesus, that you should pray for your enemies. He says, I tell you to love your enemies. I tell you to love your enemies. That kind of transformative love, to love all people, to love your family and your friends, to love your neighbors, to love your enemies, to love the people of Westboro Baptist Church. How do you love people like that? Hi, I'm a messenger of Satan. It's nice to meet you. We do. We do pray for them. But the other side is that while we are here secure in our faith, they are perverting the vulnerable. They are telling people their version of the gospel. And people, God love them, believe it. People believe when they're told that God hates them. They believe when they're told that those who are of the church of Christianity, even though that side needs some help, really doesn't seem to understand that they do not speak for Jesus. I think I missed the part where Jesus comes back in Matthew 25 on the throne to separate the good from the evil, like the sheep and the goats, and says, hold on a second, Westboro Baptist, take the throne. I missed that part. I missed the part where God says that I am making a kingdom of heaven divided into sectors, and the nation of Islam is over here, and the radical Christians are over here, and we're probably not letting in 90% of the world. I missed that part, but they didn't. They think that that is the way the world will function. And if we don't proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord, our only salvation, our only judge who seeks not to condemn, but to save. Then that hate will be what the world hears. And lest we think that it ends with words, we know that it does not. That it starts small, and then it grows Someone pointed out to me after the 8.30 service that Westboro Baptist is actually very small and that it's mostly the preacher's family. (laughs) True, but the Mormon church started the same way. And how big is Mormonism? Huge, right? It starts small. Mein Kampf was one man's hatred put to pages, And millions upon millions suffered and died because no one said, enough, it is not true. And people in their deepest, darkest moments, such as the impoverished, when they cry out and go, why is it so hard to even feed myself? Those hate mongers swoop in and say, because that ethnicity took your job. That job that you should have had. And if they weren't here, it would have been yours. And then the dark sickness, they think to themselves, maybe that's true. Maybe they have taken from me. And yet we serve a Lord who says, At my table there is room for all, come and be fed. Their message is loud and clear because hatred is easy, it's easy to hate. I hate you, I hurt you, I leave you, and that is it. Love is about investment. It is about turning to another person and saying, I care about you. God loves you, and God has called me to love you. And in order for me to legitimately love someone, I have to know their name. I have to know their story. I have to be invested in whether or not they have food to eat or clothes to wear, or a shelter over their heads. I have to care if their child can go to school and have what they need to actually learn. I have to become invested in another human being, and that is exhausting, and oftentimes it will be frustrating. But I can't imagine how many times God has been exhausted and frustrated with me. And yet, day by day, God's grace rains down from heaven, Every single day I am reminded that not only am I loved, but I am not alone and God will not abandon me. And every time I need it, that cross is there for me. That is living love. Our culture says it's the form of a heart. When does the church call out, no, it is the cross? When do we as the church remind people that Jesus Christ is Lord? Do we only sing those songs at Christmas? I mean, I know you start like at Thanksgiving now, but let's be honest. There are other times to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. I am looking at a room full of very capable disciples of Jesus Christ. You have the ability, even our youngest children could learn Jesus Christ is Lord. Children have to be taught to hate. And hatred has to be fueled and fed. So let's give them something else to nourish their bodies and their minds and their spirits. Let's give them the gospel. Let's give them the bread of heaven, the living water, the wellspring of life, that if you drink from that, you will never go thirsty again. Let us stop just thinking about our day and what we have to do and start thinking about the one who gives us life and breath, hope, salvation, and grace. Let us wake up in the morning and say, what can I do today to proclaim the divinity of my Lord and his reign is now? And that's hard. We live in a country where we are born and bred and raised to not enjoy the monarchy. In fact, we just celebrated the fact that we liberated ourselves from the monarchy, right? And yet, we serve our king, the king of kings. I am not an employee of Jesus Christ. Whether or not I was paid or had benefits or a job, I am still the servant to my master. And if I want to be his most faithful if I want to be great in his kingdom, then I will not just be a servant. I will be his slave. And all of our hate groups have a lot to say about slavery. They are enslaving people's minds and binding their spirits with hatred. And we cannot let that go. We cannot allow that to continue. It is time for us, for the church of Jesus Christ, the Lord, our God and King to stay united and to say together, we will not go quietly. We will love other people. We will become invested in them and we will push ourselves beyond our comfort zone to proclaim it with everything that we have and all that we are. Because the one thing that all of those hate groups had in common, they are all in. All that they do, all that they think about, all of their finances and their materials go toward that. And Jesus Christ deserves all that we have. All of the love that we can pour out. Because Christ says, when you are empty, come to me and you shall be filled. It is time for us, as the body of Christ, to proclaim boldly and to refute these claims that are eating away at the hearts and minds of countless millions of people. Because, I'm sorry, Westboro Baptist Church, God loves everyone. And they're afraid of that. Because if God loves that person that I hate, what does that say about me? God loves everyone. Every murderer, every thief, every adulterer, every sinful heterosexual, every sinful homosexual. We are all loved. And while God is not happy with our sinfulness, God does not reject us. Instead, God keeps sending forth love, first in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and now in every Christian disciple who carries the mantle that is symbolized in that cross. That is yours. Christ suffered and died upon it so that you would not have to, so that your hearts would not break, that instead you could be healed and finally become holy vessels of the truth of God's love. May that be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.